tell you a story about a man. A good man, a family man. Oh, he was not a Scrooge. He was kind, generous, and upright in his dealings with others. But he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to Earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay at home, but that he would wait up for them. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. As he sat in his fireside chair and read the newspaper, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, and then another. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against the house. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm and, in a desperate search for shelter, had tried to fly through his living room window. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes and tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. He figured food would entice them, so he hurried back to the house, fetched breadcrumbs, and sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them and waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird and talk to them and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind, and he stood there, listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. I don't know about you guys, when I felt like those birds this year, think about that. How many of you just were frustrated, just like those birds, just trying to 
make your way through this year not knowing which way to go, right? I know that was me. I, I, I could not imagine. I was really thinking about this. One of the, uh, just thinking about this year, I never thought I would get to, I, I never thought going and looking for toilet paper would be so stressful. Think about that, right? Think about how the high stress of trying to do something so simple. And man, that was frustrating, right? At some point, trying to look for those things this year. But I know, I'm pretty sure we can all relate to those birds, right? Just frustrated, trying to flap around, trying to get out of the storm that has been this year. Or even for me, I know this was me. I spent a lot of time this year. I don't know about you, I'm sure. I know I'm not the only one that kind of flapped around just trying to figure everything out, right? Or just kind of sitting there wondering, you know, how much longer? How much longer do we have to do or deal with fill in the blank, right? But that's a feeling we've all felt, right? Regardless of what has happened this year, that is a feeling that every year we find ourselves in, right? Especially when you're going through a difficulty, uh, an uncertainty, a level of darkness and struggle that you don't know, man, how I can't figure my way out of this. I can't figure out why this is happening. And I'm just, I can't figure out how much longer I got to deal with this. And tell me, isn't it true? I, I, I think we could all agree here that it is really hard to be happy when you don't realize how long a situation is going to last, right? And I think that's why 2020 has been so difficult for so many people because, man, we've just been frustrated trying to, it's been hard to be happy trying to figure out how much longer do we have to deal with this? How much longer until I can go and do this and meet with fam or do whatever, fill in the blank, right? That's super frustrating. Well, listen, guys, today we're going to look at a situation that it was a very similar situation that actually happened to God's people. And it actually goes not just all the way down to Mary and Joseph, which Mary and Joseph could agree. And they could, you know, we talked about that. They found themselves in a situation too. But, but there is something, there is something that happened hundreds of years before that actually pointed to that very moment. And God met his people in a dark circumstance and gave them a timely and, listen, a timeless message that actually is a beautiful reminder for us today about the power of hope that empowers us to, here's the bottom line, to be joyful despite our struggles. Would you like to learn how to do that? Would you like to learn to be joyful despite whatever struggle you're going through? Well, let's look at how God tried to help these people. So we're going to look in Ephesians, not Ephesians, wow, okay, e Isaiah, I was nowhere near close. Isaiah chapter 9. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus, you know, lived, before he was born. God speaks to Isaiah to relay this message to his people, and he's relaying the same message to people today. So let's see what Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 2. All the way through nine, seven. All right, two through seven. So let's put it on the screen for those of you who don't got your Bibles and we'll read it together. Ready? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You, talking to God, you have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you. As they rejoice at harvest time, as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. 
for every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Now, we sang a little bit of that earlier today. Now, I want you guys to just to understand this was a timeless message. But look at that. We, we, we sing part of that verse every year during Christmas. But the important thing is, when did this message hit? What was so timely about this message? Because when we understand that, then those words that we declared are going to mean that much more to us. So check it out. Here's the situation. God is speaking through Isaiah to his people, right? Because they're not understanding. They're not getting. So God sends a message through Isaiah, through a man to say to them. And here's the thing. That message that they received was during a time that for them, life was not going well. It was not going well, and it wasn't going to get any better. It wasn't going to get any better. If you kind of skim through and keep reading, you'll find out. But for life, for Israel, for the people that heard this, life wasn't going well and it wasn't getting any better. What was going on? They were experiencing a lot of oppression and harassment from the Assyrians, which were a northern group. And this was like a, a group that was growing, right? This was now the, you know, the, the, the new kids on the block in that area. They were growing. They were taking everybody out. And so here they are harassing Israel, messing with them. And Israel tries to be buddy-buddy with them. They say, you know what, God? I, 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 you know, we kind of like them. We kind of want to explore what it is to have a relationship with these guys. I, you know, I think with them we're good. So, you know, you can, if you got something else better to do, I, I think we got this. And so they're making friends with these groups that eventually they turned on Israel. And would, they would harass the people, the, the, you know, all of these things threatened them. To the point that, remember when I said life wasn't going well. That was the current circumstance when they heard this message. But God knew very soon, like, it's not going to go well. Eventually, the assault was, went from minor to major. As the Assyrians very soon, not, you know, after this message was received, the Assyrians ended up conquering the northern section of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel. Conquered them, took them out, dispersed them, gone forever. Dispersed among the nations. And then eventually the remaining, the remaining side of Israel, which was the kingdom of Judah, was taken over by Babylon. So they were gone. This whole nation conquered. It did not go well. It wasn't going well for them, and it wasn't getting any, any better. And the problem was this for them. The problem for the people, this is why this message was so timeless, was there was no indication that things were going to end well for them. None. And here's the, wor here's the worst one probably. There was no indication how long the problem would last. That was their circumstance. That was the big problem. When this message was first spoken by the prophet Isaiah, when God said to the people, right, there was no indication, no news. You know what, guys, this is pretty difficult, but I think we'll make it. You know, we're resilient. We're good. No, this was panic mode, panic. There's nothing. In fact, every sign shows this is going to be ugly, and I don't know if we're going to make it back. I don't know if we can make a comeback. That's how desperate 
the original audience was at that moment. I'm sure we've ever felt, I'm, I'm sure they're not the only ones, right? Have you ever felt like that? In this year, have you not ever felt like that? Like, bro, this is bad. My circumstance is bad. My marriage is bad. My finances are bad. My kids, their social, you know, this little school situation, this little experiment. Oh, my Lord, right? And so, I mean, there was a lot going on. And I don't know how you felt. I'm sure we felt like that way in some, some times. Man, this is bad. There is no sign that this is getting any better. In fact, I think it's going to keep on getting worse. I don't know if my, I don't know if my marriage is going to make it. I don't know if my kids are going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. You see that? That was a circumstance. And in that moment, God gives them this promise, that, that word that he just spoke. He gives them this, and he tells them, this is what I will do for you. And did you catch what he did? He says, I'm going to do this. I will not only shine a light in the darkness, meaning I will lead you out of that darkness. Out of that darkness that you can't even see where you're at and where you're going, what the answers are. I am going to shine a light that's going to lead you out of that darkness. That was verse 2. Verse 3 and 5, he's pretty much telling him, and you will experience growth. It's going to get better. And not just better, you're going to come back even stronger than you were before. You will experience growth. You will receive joy. Joy, provision, protection, and I, and an end to all conflict, and an end to all wars, not just an end to this war. God is proclaiming there's going to be an end to all wars. No more conflict, no more drama, no more issues, all of that. That was verse 3 through 5. And then he says, he keeps on going, and I will send someone to get it done. I'm going to send someone to get it done. That Messiah, which, which when they would speak, there was language there. They said like, the, you know, he will reign on the kingdom of, not the kingdom, the, the throne of David. That was prophetic language that the Jews knew. For hundreds of years, God had talked about that. He was going to send someone. He promised it to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. He promised it to Noah. He promised it to Abraham through Moses all the way down to this very moment. Even through the prophets, he would repeat this promise over and over again. He says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to send someone, and this someone ain't just going to be anyone. It's going to be me. I'm going to do it. He says, the zeal of the Lord. You saw that declaration at the end? The zeal, the passion, the drive, the determination of God himself. He says, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This isn't like, you know, have you ever had a parent threaten you, right? And like, you know, it's like, oh, you know. Some of you, you know, like the parents are all like, you know, they'll call your bluff, right? We've had that. You've done that, right? They call your bluff. God's like, I ain't bluffing. I ain't bluffing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to do this. But here's, here's the big kicker. That sounds great and all. But what really hit the people was that this was a promise that was given to a people that didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve this promise. They didn't deserve this treatment. Why do I say that? Well, because of the situation. Why did they get themselves in this situation? It was easy. I told you, they started making buddy-buddy friends with people that weren't God. They said, God, we don't need you anymore. Thanks for the ride. You know, you, you took us this, this far. I think we're good. We got this. We can handle it from here. Just, he's out. So they rejected God for years, just like the, in the story, right? The birds were, you know, they were ignoring the breadcrumbs, ignoring the aid, and they were just running around doing what they wanted to do. That's what the people were doing. They ignored God habitually, and he warned them, don't go that way. This is what's going to happen. Don't do that. This is what's going to happen. And eventually he was, and he was going to let it happen. Because, guys, listen, if you don't live by, Lord, thy will be done, then God is going to look to you and say, okay, your will be done. Let's see which one turns out better. This is what's going to happen. 
That's what God, God's not going to force his way on you. If, you. if you are not willing to live by, say, Lord, thy will be done. He'll look at you. I'm like, all right, guy, you give it a shot. See how you like it. Your will be done now. And hands off. That's what he was going to do. This people received this gift. They didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve this God. They didn't deserve this treatment from this God. And yet that what was so overwhelming. That was what held and gave them hope when it got darker. Because like I said, it was going to get bad. It was going to get worse for these people. And in the middle, it didn't matter how worse it got. The fact that there was this God who they knew that they rejected. They knew that they ignored. They knew we turned our backs on you and you are still, you still got our backs. After we turned our backs on you, you still got our back. That hope, and it wasn't just hope, it was the love of this God that they, they held on to this promise, not just for a couple hours, not just for another year or two, not just for 70 years, because it took them seven years before they came back, for hundreds of years, because this was not just a promise, I'm going to bless the nation of Israel. No, they knew this is a promise that God through one nation would bless all and save all of the nations. And so they held on to hope for hundreds of years. That's what's so amazing about these words for those people. And in fact, there's uh, one thing that I thought was even cooler. If you look at here, this is, God's not giving them a pep talk. He's giving them a promise. It's a promise you and I can't do. We've all had that. You ever, you ever had that bad day and someone just kind of gives you, you, you kind of need that, right? It's like, look, God, man, you got this, right? It's okay. I've been there. You've been there. You've been through worse, right? You ever done one of those, given one of those, been on the recipient end, and right? Sometimes you just need that pep talk. Well, God is not giving these people a pep talk. This isn't a pep talk. Like, guys, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but it's okay. We can do it. We can make it go. I don't know. And it's like he's not giving them a pep talk. He's giving them a promise. It's the difference. And the promise it's not like you and I, like, like look, I promised someone to do this. I don't know how many times our ki my kids can admit. They've asked me to do something. I, I, I promise I'll do it. Yeah, look, some, all the dads looked at me. I'm like, yeah, you had to go there, bro. You had to go there. And I was like, yeah, I did. I was like, uh, so how many times have we ever promised that to a friend, promised that? I was like, I promise I will do it. But then something happens, things you didn't control, or you just... Forgot, right? And you just, you weren't paying attention. You're like, oh, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Listen, when God says, I promise, he pro it's a different level promise. And in fact, you want to see how different level it is? I want you, can we put the verses back up? I want to look at this really quick. I don't know if you noticed, we read this too fast. We're going to read this one more time. Can we put verse 2 up? I want you to pay attention now. What is the grammatical tense that God is using, speaking about the future. Ready? Can we put up Isaiah chapter 2? Uh, check this out. John 9, 2. Look at this. Ready? He says this. I'm going to read it too. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen, have seen a light. Is that future tense, present tense, past tense? Guys, help me out. The people walking in darkness have what? Have seen a great light that has what? Dawned. On those living in the land, you have enlarged, past tense, the nation. You have increased, past tense, its joy. The people have rejoiced, past tense, before you. As they rejoice at the harvest time, as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have, what? You have shattered, past tense, their oppressive yoke. And the rod of their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor. Just as you, what? 
did, okay, another past tense, for every, now this is, it changes here, for every trampling boot and the bloodied garment of war will, and now from past tense, it says future tense, this will be burned, uh, uh, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, his name will be, his kingdom will be, on and on and on and on it goes. Guys, don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that right there was so amazing. God used the past tense to describe the future. You got to let this one settle. God used the past tense to describe the future. None of those things had happened yet. All those things that he was declaring in, the, in verses 2 through 4, that, had, hadn't, that hadn't happened yet. So why is he saying, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this? Because when God talks about this, the promise of a future, it's not just you hope. Listen, God was describing the future as if it already happened. And guys, let me tell you, it's one thing for me to say to you, this is going to happen to you tomorrow morning, right? There's a lot of circumstances that can come up and it not happen. But it's something else if I tell you, this happened to you this morning. You can tell me yes or no, it happened, right? Okay, am I, am I, am I real? If I tell you right now and says, hey, this is going to happen to you tomorrow, it might, it might not. But if I tell you, this happened to you five minutes ago, you can tell me, yes, it did. No, it didn't. Why? Because it happened. You can rewrite history, but just because you rewrite history in your mind, just because you rewrite history in a book, doesn't mean that history has changed. No, what happened, happened. Can you change that? Can you change what happened in the past? No. Can you alter that? Can you manipulate that? No, because why? It happened. It's solid. So when God gives a promise of the future, he uses a past tense, like if it already happened. In the same way that you can't change the past, no one can change God's promises. If he promised it, it's going to happen. You see that? You see that? That's amazing. That's amazing. He's talking about the future like if it was the past. And he said, it, it's, it's that secure. It's that solid. And you can't change it because I will do it. That was a promise that those people held on and they were able to hold on to some of the darkest things. You know, it's, it's funny. I'm like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we, I see the Christmas ornaments. I, I really hope I don't just like ruin one of you. If somebody bought it and you're super proud of that ornament, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not. But it, I'm, it just, it's like first world problems. Let's be real. So I know there's ornaments that are being sold right now. It's like, you know, first quarantine, or, you know, first pandemic, you know, and something like that. And it's, you know, all the, all the, you know, porcelain people with masks on or something like that. I almost bought one of those. So again, if you got one, no shame. But again, first world problems, right? And so I was like, oh, we went through our first pandemic. You know, we had to be inside of our air conditioning homes. You know, you know, we had to maybe need to eat. Uh, you know, we still got to watch TV. Maybe we couldn't go to the movies or parks, but we still, you know, for the most part, we're okay. Let's just be real. Because even the poorest people here are the richest people in the world. And so we went through our first pandemic. And there's, I'm pretty sure there's nations around the world looking at us like. Right? Really? Guys, really? And so this, listen, the people of Israel went, went through so much worse. And we know it. We know Israel's history. We know what they've gone through. The Holocaust, let alone, I mean, so much. And they've held on to that very promise because they believe and they know God did it, God promised him. Do you guys know that's not, that's not the only time God ever spoke about the future in the past tense? Can I show you one more? This one's huge. Look at Jesus. Jesus did this too. Can we read Jesus, his words from the, prophet, from the apostle John, chapter 16, verses 33. Look at what Jesus says. Ready? Here it is. Verse 33. 
Jesus, I have told you these things. What things? He was telling them things that are about to happen. Guys, it's going kind of well. It's not going kind of well, but let me tell you, these are going to happen. What were the things that are going to happen? There's going to be bad things that are going to happen in the world. Um, I'm going to die. That's pretty bad, right? And this is, he is giving this at the Last Supper, the night that he is about to be handed over. Things are not going super well for the apostles at this moment because there's a lot of oppression and a lot of stuff from the, the temple and threats. And it's not going to get any better for them in the next 48 hours, right? There were no Christians on Easter Sunday. There were no Christians that Saturday. There were none. These guys believed we were wrong. We thought this was the guy and he died. How? They can't be. They lost all hope. And before that even happened, the night of the Last Supper, he says this. Okay, my fault. Let's go back. He says this. I've told you all of these things that are about to happen. All these bad things are going to happen. Why? So that you may have, say that word out loud, peace. Online, write that word. So that you may have peace. Now, notice what else you're going to have. In the next verse, he says, for you might have suffering. You could. It's a possibility. He says, you will. If you look at the verse and says, listen, you will have suffering in this world. Things won't always go the way you think they're supposed to go. Things won't always go the way you would like them to go. You will have suffering in this world. But what does he tell them to do? Be courageous. Be joyful despite your struggles. Because why? I have conquered the world. What kind of, what kind of tense did Jesus just use to talk about the future? past tense i think that's an interesting sentence jesus said i have conquered the world yet he hasn't even carried his cross yet he has, he's saying i have conquered the world and yet he hasn't conquered death yet it's all about to go down and i mean literally in hours and he's telling them guys no matter what the circumstances look no matter your no matter your surroundings no matter what you may see I want you to have peace. I want you to have joy. Be joyful in the middle of your struggle when you don't understand what's happening. Even when you lose, when you begin to doubt me or wonder or if something that, you know, you did wrong and now you're dealing with the consequences or you did nothing wrong and you're really having to go through it. He says in the middle of all of that because you will have to go through some things and there's wisdom for that. He says be courageous. Be joyful in the midst of your struggle. Why? Because I have conquered the world. He spoke of the future like if it already happened. Because when Jesus promised, when the same way God promised, a son will be born, a child will, you know, he said a child will be born, a son given, it happened. That was a promise. Jesus fulfilled that. And then later on, right, when Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'm going to die three days later. I'm going to rise from the dead. Jesus isn't just, you know, hoping, yo, you ain't going to let me down, right? You, 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 you got me, right? You got me, right? Like, he's not doing that. He knew it's going to happen. He faced that cross knowing as bad it was going to be, he knew what the other side was going to be like. He talked about the future like if it was the past because it was solid. It was, he was going to win, and there was no, there was not one moment that Jesus was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pull this out. None. Not one. Because Jesus' promises are that solid. God's promises are that solid. And guys, you just, just look at what he's already done. That word that Isaiah spoke hundreds of years, that was 800 years. Jesus fulfilled all of those things and is fulfilling them now. 
because a light has dawned in the darkness. John talks about that in the beginning of his gospel, that the light has entered the world. The light of God has entered the world, and it shined on those in the darkness, yet there are some who love the darkness more than the light, yet darkness has not overcome the light. He says that a a light has dawned in the darkness. A light is leading, has led. You guys are all here. A lot of you, God has led you out of the darkness of your sin, out of those things. You have experienced growth, not just growth, life. God brought you from spiritually dead to living, and you know a kind of joy in Jesus now that you couldn't get from anything else before. You know that. And you've experienced the hand of God and his provisions in a way that nothing in this world can and has provided. For Jesus has broken the yoke of your oppressor, sin, death, and hell in the grave. He has broken that yoke on that cross when he rose from the dead. He's done all those things. And he is that wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father, Emmanuel. And his kingdom will continue to expand. And there will be no end to that kingdom. That verse that we read is already fulfilled, and it is being fulfilled now. Jesus did it. He already did it. And when we look, I mean, how many more times does somebody got to promise you something, literally come through, and then you be like, okay, I think I can trust you now. I think I can trust you now. Right? I'm like, look, I promise there's going to be a kid. And you're like, look, I mean, I don't know about you. I, you know, we can kind of pull some stuff off sometimes, Okay. The little uh, virgins giving birth to their baby, yo, I don't know, that's, that's, that's pretty tough, okay? That's, that's an interesting one, okay? It's hard to, hard to compete. And he did that, promised it happened. I promise I'm going to die, raised from the dead, and he did it. How many more times does he have to prove himself? He says, enough, but that should be enough for us. And so here's the thing, because of who we are, because of what we have in Jesus, guys, you can be, if you have Jesus, because of Jesus, you can be joyful in the midst of your struggle. You can, and you already know how to do it. You already know how to do it. You just, maybe you just don't know how. You know how? All you have to do is look up at the sky. If you look up at the sky, you'll know how you can be joyful in the midst of your struggle because to a certain extent, you already know how to do it. You just got to shift that skill towards God. How do you do that? Let me ask you this question. Okay, what time is it right now? 9.42, okay? Obviously, it's morning time. Tonight. Say when the sun goes down, what? Here in Florida, Tampa, 6, 7 o'clock? Daylight savings time is always, it's always interesting, right? It's 5 o'clock. It's like, is it like 5? You know, what's going on, right? So let's say 5.30. Let's say the sun's going to go down at 5.30. Uh, let's, let's just say you go in your house and you start watching TV. You start doing something. The sun is out. Let's say you go outside tonight at 8 o'clock and you open and there is no light. Are you going to panic? Are you going to lose your mind? Be able to, Whoa, wait a minute. Last time I came from outside, there was light, and now there's not. What happened to the sun? What happened to the sun? What's going on? Would any of you panic tonight if you step outside and you see that there's no light? Will you, yes or no? Will you, yes or no? No. Why? Because you know, okay, the sun didn't go away. The sun didn't just disappear. You know that the sun didn't stop shining and something happened. The earth just turned. That's all you you know. The earth turned away from the sun. And in a little bit, we'll keep turning, and eventually the light will be back again. And round and round we go. For as long as recorded history, it's been pretty faithful, right? It's been doing that for a long time. A long time. Guys, in the same way that you are confident, that you are confident, even though it's dark out and you don't see the sun, yet you know the sun is still there, even though you don't see it. 
you can be that confident even when you don't see God right away because you know he's still there. You know his promises have not been canceled. His promises are secure. And nothing can alter or change and keep him from doing what he said he will do. None of it. The light still shines. No matter how dark it is, the sun is always shining. And so I'm going to ask you, if you find yourself in a dark place, this is if you've never put your, if you never put your life in the hands of Jesus and never confess your sins before him, listen, it's, things might be going okay for you. Let me just be real. Things might be okay. You know, maybe not the best, and you'll admit, you know, life ain't perfect, whatever, right? Let me tell you, it might be going okay for you. Maybe it's not going well for you, but I'm telling you, it's not going to go well for you. If you die in this darkness, it's not going to end well for you. It won't. It won't. That's why we need a Savior. Why do we need a Savior? Do be saved. Saved from what? The wrath of God towards unrepentant sinners. And I'm, this is real. I'm giving you a gift right now. Maybe you don't like the gift. Maybe you don't like the wrapping. All right? Maybe I'm getting, you know, like somebody gave you socks and underwear, right? Ew, why didn't you give me socks and underwear? But you know, when you get older, hey, who, who, appreciate, who appreciates those? Oh, I got socks and underwear? Boom, because I don't know if I was going to make it another two weeks. All right? 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 And so maybe when you're younger, you're like, oh, I socks and underwear. I got clothes. Nah, you know, oh, you know, listen, don't sleep on that. Maybe you might not like to hear what I'm telling you, that you are a sinner. And if you die in your sins without Jesus, it is not going to end well for you. It is not going to go well for you. All you have to do, though, is know that, listen, unlike the earth that eventually turns by itself, you don't have to do anything. You're standing here. It's kind of going, right? The earth is turning. Listen, you can't turn and go to God. The light had to wrap around and come to us. The light reflected around, looped around into our darkness, found me in that darkness, found me in my depression, find, found me in my loneliness. It found me. That light found me. I didn't find that light. I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me. All I did was just say yes to that Savior, said yes to that invitation. That's all I did. And if you are not a believer in Christ, I'm telling you now, you can experience everything that he says I will do for you. You will experience growth and strength. You will experience joy that you can't find in this world. It is out of this world joy. You can experience life. I will break the yoke of loneliness, addiction, oppression, all those things. God will do those things for you if you respond to the light. If you respond to the light, unlike you've never seen the movies, right? And like, no, no, Johnny, don't walk into the light, right? They're kind of dying in the middle. No, don't go, don't go towards the light. No, I'm telling you, go towards the light, because if not, you're gonna die. Okay? Go towards the light. Go towards that light. It's the light of love, his love that invites you to say, Man, I gave my life so you could find it because there's no way you were gonna find it alone. That's all you have to do. If you don't know Jesus, God will do these things. Because you know what? He did it in my life. There's people in this room, there's people online, you know they've done, he's done it for them. And if he's done it for them, he's done it for me. He can do it for you. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. Now, let's say you're a Christian. Let's say you said yes to Jesus already. Well, listen, you are in this case kind of like the moon now. The moon doesn't have a light that it reflects on its own, right? It reflects the light of the sun. As believers in Christ, God has raised us up out of this world, raised us up. We're still in this world. We're still in it, but we're not of it anymore. 
Like the moon is a part of the earth, but it's not the earth. We are there, and all we're called to do is stand in the light of God's love and reflect that light into those who are still lost in the dark. That's what we're called to do is reflect the light of that love if you're a believer in Christ. Reflect the light onto your kids. Reflect the light onto your husband, onto your wife, onto your neighbors, into your, into your nation, into your neighborhood, all those things. That's what we're called to do. But listen, now Christian church, do not let the world eclipse that light. If you've ever seen the moon, right, when there's a lunar eclipse, why is there a lunar eclipse? Because the, the earth now gets in between the light source and the, and the, the sun and the moon, right? The earth is blocking it. If you're a believer in Christ and you have unrepentant sin, you are allowing the things of this world to block out your light. And then you can find yourself in a dark place because of what you've allowed to interrupt that light. You've allowed that to interrupt your relationship with God. You're still saved, but now you're not experiencing that joy, that strength, all those things that God said I will do because you've allowed, you've done something. You have allowed something to get in the way. And if that's you, if you're a Christian and believer and you find yourself in a dark place, all you have to do is let go of those things. Repent of those things. Repent of your attitudes, your laziness, your actions. Repent of those things and say, God, there's still areas in my life. I know, look, no one's going to be a perfect full moon. Let's just be real. I, I'm, I'm an eclipse too. We're all eclipses to a certain extent. We all got some shadows somewhere. Let's just be real. Me too. But when you see that shadow, you say, God, no, no, no. I need that. I just want to bask in your love more and more. So you may shine that light onto those who are in the dark. So sometimes if you're a believer, you can get yourself in a dark place on your own. But then what happens? Last one. What happens if you're going through it and it's not your fault? What about if you're in a dark place and it wasn't a result of your sin? Let's say you've been on it. You got a, you got a, you know, you got a streak. You got a Bible streak on that Bible app of 542 days, killing it. You ain't miss a streak on your Bible app, right? You ain't miss a day at church. You ain't done. You feel like you're killing it. You, you're crushing the game. You're doing what you need to do. And then things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Now what? Easy hold on to God's promises still. Listen, when it's at night, when it's night, look, the sun does not stop shining at night, right? The sun doesn't stop shining at night. Well, God doesn't stop being God when things don't go right. You hear me on that? God does not stop being God when things are not going right and it's out of your hands. God has not stopped being God. His faithful promises are true. His love is still shining. And if we hold on to that light, he will lead you through every single time. If Jesus, okay, listen, if you and I can trust that the sun will, ray, will rise up in the morning, if you and I can trust that the sun will rise up in the morning, you and I can trust that the Son of God can raise us up out of our mourning, raise us up out of our misery, raise us up out of any circumstance that we may find ourselves in. He can do it. He will do it because he is faithful. He is faithful to those who call and trust in him. He is faithful. All we need to do is trust in him. And when we do, that is how, when we hold on to that hope and his promises, knowing who he is and what he's done and what he still promises to do, you and I now, as we are being joyful in the midst of our struggle, that is how we shine our light the brightest to those who are still in the dark just like God did that night 
that Jesus was born. Think about that. At nighttime, what happened? A bunch of angels showed up. To who? A bunch of shepherds. At what time? At night. Guys, listen. The shepherds were the most lowest of the ring ladder. These guys were the bottom. The bottom of Jewish society. They were the bottom. And who received the light of and the message Joy to the world, for the Lord has come. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Guys, he did it. The promise that he's been saying that through Isaiah, through guys, look, he, he pulled it off. He actually did it now. He did it. Who got that message? The poorest of the poor in a dark place. And this ain't about rich and poor because you know what? You guys, all of us are poor towards God. All of us are poor towards God. We have nothing to offer him. That light has come to us, poor individuals in a dark place. And in the same way that the angels, which is funny, you know the word angels, same word that the root word is for evangelist. Evangelist is a Christian word we use to say, hey, we're going to tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins. The word angel is the same root word for evangelist. And so our message is like, but not like, because the angels are saying, guys, joy to the world for the Lord has come. Our message is different. We say joy to the world because the Lord has overcome. He has overcome. He's overcome sin and death on the cross. He's overcome my shame, my depression, my darkness. He has overcome and the world should be joyful. That's how we can be joyful in the midst of our struggle. Because our Lord hasn't come. He has overcome and he's already done it and coming again. He's coming again. In the same way he has promised all of these things, he promises, I will put an end to all things. I know for some of us, it's like, Jesus, how much longer? How much longer? I think I'm done. All right, I'm done. I know, you know, it's mask free in heaven, right? Right, we good, right? And so, you know, no social distancing in heaven, right? How much longer? How much longer? It doesn't matter how much longer because we can have that confidence. You know, it's going to happen. He will do it. God has overcome and he's coming again. All we are left to do is receive your king. Receive your king. Receive your king now. Continually, if you have, continually receive your king. Just like those birds, step out of the cold and into the warm, open, loving arms of your heavenly father. Because it's in that place. It's in that embrace that will constantly remind you, no matter how dark it is on the outside, no matter what season you may be experiencing in your life, you can have joy, you can be joyful despite your struggles when Jesus is Lord of your life. You might be holding on to a promise, but as you hold on to a promise, understand God is holding on to you. And his grip don't slip. His grip don't slip.